Yes, people, welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. We are just looking at uh, one film this week. Well, it's a documentary. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the UK's top 15 films streaming right now. So, at number 15, we got Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. At number 14, it's The Gentleman. At number 13 is The Greatest Showman. At number 12, Spies in Disguise. At number 11, we got Bombshell. At number 10, it's Jojo Rabbit. At number 9, Jumanji, The Next Level. At number 8, we got Frozen 2, people. At number 7, it's cats at number six the call of the wild so a little couple of animal themes right there at number five we got little women and number six it's star wars the rise of the skywalker at number three we have onward at number two it's bad boys for life Back to number one, it's 1917. All right, so before we get to our review, let's uh, get a little bit of information for you. Okay, so fans of Japanese cinema, yo, you can rejoice because BFI Japan 2020 is now upon us. So, from the information on the website, it reads, In this major season, we spotlight Japanese filmmakers who have inspired admiration and fascination around the world. We have long carried a torch for Japanese film here at the BFI. Since the birth the first BFI London Film Festival opened with Akira Kurosawa's Fawn of Blood in 1957, we've played a vital role in bringing the cinema of this culturally rich nation to UK audiences through our festivals, seasons, theoretical distribution, books, and video publishing. In this major season, we spotlight filmmakers who have inspired admiration and fascination around the world. We begin our story with Akira Kurosawa, and over the coming months, we'll present films from the golden age, a focus on Yasugira Uzu, new wave rebels, the visionary creations of anime, the Neverworlds of J-Horror, and so much more with archived rarities to contemporary works and cult classics. This landmark season will take place on the BFI Player. It started on the 11th of May, and it will continue with new, new online collections released each month, and... They expect to present it at the BFI South Bank and cinemas nationwide later on in the year. So yes, you'll be able to see stuff like Seven Samurai, Drunken Angel, Ran, Stray Dog. I mean, just classics like that. So yeah, if you're a fan, um, go check it out, right? So... You'll be pleased to know you can get a free 14-day free trial of the BFI player. Um, and after that, it is $4.99 a month, but you can cancel whenever you want. And another thing that a lot of you know film fans may enjoy. Um, you know, there will be a lot of exclusive. Introductions from Mark Commode. So, 
that is Japan 2020. It's on the BFI player right now, people. Go check it out. Okay, film fans, this will be of interest to you. Today, Cinema Showtime, an Indiegogo crowdfunding multimedia project designed to reunite film fans following the coronavirus lockdown, has launched. They will be working in partnership with Medi Cinema, the charity that brings the magic of film to hospitals. Cinema Showtime is a project that is looking forward to a time when re- restrictions are lifted and we can start going and doing what we love again, going to the pictures. It is looking forward to a time when we can watch rescheduled movies that we have been waiting to see for months on the big screen with our friends. The current guidelines suggest that we can expect to see cinemas reopen to the public from July the 4th. Perhaps that will be our own Independence Day. (laughs) What the Cinema Showtime project involves production and distribution of a free glossy magazine written by film experts and packed with the ultimate preview of every movie being released between November the 20th and August the 23rd. Sorry, that's November 2020 to August 2021. This will include the latest release dates, info, features, interviews and more. Staging a one-off live event in a prominent London venue called Cinema Showtime Live that fans and contributors will be invited to attend. This will include a fan lottery with incredible prizes and money can't buy merchandise and experiences also creating an online site and newsletter that celebrates the return of cinema with up-to-the-minute news and information production unique and exclusive merchandise to tie in with the event and film releases and also 10% of all contributions and money raised will go to the charity MediCinema to assist with their work. The teams behind Cinema Showtime, Creative Path Group Limited, Strike Media Limited and My Film Club will be monitoring the latest coronavirus guidelines to ensure that what is planned will be sensible and time sensitive. The first glossy magazine is currently scheduled for October. As this proceeds, a number of major rescheduled movie releases for November onwards. These include No Time to Die, Black Widow, Soul, Free Guy, Peter Rabbit 2, Fast and the Furious 9, Top Gun Maverick, Coming to America 2, The Tomorrow War, Venom 2 and many more. Medi Cinema is a registered UK charity that builds and runs state-of-the-art cinemas in NHS hospitals which accommodate beds and medical equipment. They work to help improve patient well-being, resilience and recovery through the power of film and the shared cinema experience. Currently, their cinemas are suspended just like all regular cinemas across the country. Instead, they are providing a free movie channel for patients to access at their bedsides during the long periods of isolation that come with restricted visiting hours. We are raising money for them to keep these services running and to ensure their in-hospital cinemas can reopen when it is safe to do so. Um, the Medi Cinema CEO, 
Pat Mason said, we all miss being able to go out to see a film with friends and for our NHS patients who are more isolated than ever and not able to visit our in-hospital cinemas. It is even harder. This is such a wonderful initiative. Uh, We are so grateful for Cinema Showtime support, which will help ensure that our cinemas will reopen and that patients can once again have a break from the wards and their conditions to do what used to feel normal to all of us. To go and watch a great film. Alright, so check out the links in this episode's information on how you can get involved with uh, Cinema Showtime. Great stuff. Okay, people. So, starting tomorrow, the 29th of May, what is being hailed as a historic film festival event is going to be taking place. I'm talking about We Are One, a global film festival that is being put together by YouTube and just an array of international film festivals. So we have people from uh, the likes of the Berlin International uh, Film Festival, BFI London Film Festival, Cannes, um, just everyone, Jerusalem Film Festival, the Mumbai Film Festival, um, we got the Toronto International Film Festival, Tribeca, Venice, Tokyo International, and a whole heap more, so they're all coming together, uh, it's running from the 29th of May to the 7th of June, so 10 days, 10 days of action, all airing on YouTube, right, so, um, it's free, everything is free to watch, so you can donate though, so I believe on every film page will be a donation button, so you can go to that and donate, and um, yeah, the money will go to uh, COVID-19 um, relief, so yeah, you know, a good cause, because there's a lot of people hurting right now, um, so yeah, if you like film, and if some of your favourite film festivals, you know, they've had to be cancelled, then, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to go, uh, and, and watch some incredible film, now, it's gonna be a mixture of things that have already, you know, been at film festivals, like, uh, you know, the BFI, um, yeah, because they're curating a channel, so they're going to, one of their films is, um, it's going to be Rude Boy, the story of Trojan Records, which played at last year's London Film Festival, so you're going to have things like that, but then there's going to be a few new things thrown in as well. There's shorts. You know, there's a big shorts um, program on tomorrow. You know, and um, yeah, it's from the 72nd Festival de Cannes program too. So yeah, they'll be running those, you know, and a lot of other shorts films are playing. So, uh, yeah, go to the information of this episode and you will find a link to the schedule and a link to the YouTube page. So, yeah, we are one. Remember to check it out, people. Ten days of film action. You can't get better than that, right? Okay, people, so... Now, I think it's time to get to this week's film. 
Okay, so this week I watched Screened Out. It's a uh, it's a documentary, and it's looking at a uh, screen addiction. Okay, so it's from uh, John Hyatt, uh, who you know he directed it, he edited it, produced it, along with his brothers, um, and. Well, this is what it's about, okay? So, as I said, look, it's exploring um, the life-changing effects of screen addiction. And it says, all over the world, as technology grows and advances, so does our addiction to our devices. Join filmmaker John Hyatt and his family on a journey through the life-changing effects of screen addiction, how the tech industry hooked global consumers and its greater impact on our lives. From smartphones, portable tablets and social media, the tech industry has designed fun, immersive technologies that have changed the way we communicate and interact with each other. But one of these devices... um, But are these devices good for us? Are we too dependent? What keeps us hooked? And how is it impacting our children and the world as a whole? So the, um, you know, the piece, it features uh, some, you know, top, I guess, experts in this field. You know, so there's Jim Steyer who's the CEO of Common Sense Media and, uh, a, a, you know, an American children's advocate, civil rights attorney and professional author. You've got Dr. Nicholas Kadarasa, um, who's an Ivy League educated psychologist, best-selling author and internationally renowned speaker. Um, an expert on mental health addiction, uh, Dr. Alex Pang, author of three books, including Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less, um, and Dr. Michael Rich, who's a Harvard professor, a pediatrician, researcher, and also a filmmaker. So, um, I think it's important to hear this as well. So, um, you know, uh, John Hyatt put a, a, a statement on his website. Okay, so it says, I embraced ten- technology at an early age. Growing up in a tech-savvy family, my parents brought us some of the first personal computers. My brothers and I spent hours learning them and were always curious about the next steps uh, which technology would take. In the mid 2000s social media was born and our personal devices became an extension of ourselves. I had the best phone, was so excited to connect with people, share my personal experiences with others across the globe. A decade later, and I was resilient, sorry, I was reliant on my device and platforms 24-7. And a world where kids are glued to screens at an early age, at home, school, work or on vacation we were always glued to our screens parents on their devices and in turn their kids and teens as well completely changing the family dynamic which was becoming exponentially more disconnected in real life it forced me to finally dig deep and look at my own habits with my smartphone and realised that I was no better. I was fully enslaved to my phone, spending hours on platforms and my kids noticed everything. Unplugging seemed impossible. 
when a few brave whistleblowers in the social media space confirmed that these massive tech companies were making products knowingly addictive, that they were social engineering us to become hooked to our devices. This wasn't a millennial problem. We are all addicted to technology and it was by design. In making this film, I travelled extensively and met with many concerned tech insiders from Silicon Valley, behavioural scientists, rehab clinicians, patients, paediatricians and child psychologists, parents and advocacy groups. In Screamed Out, we aim to inform and empower the public at large and families everywhere to make healthy choices for our communities. So I think it's important to hear that, to get a full understanding of, you know, where the director was coming from in making this, you know, the viewpoint and kind of what we were getting to see with the documentary, you know, like, at the beginning, there's a lot of shots of him, there's a lot of shots of him kind of walking around, and then using his phone, and look, there's my wife on her phone, oh, she's holding our kid on her phone, which, obviously, you know what I mean, like, all those shots are designed, you know what I mean, it, 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 it's, they're not just random shots, right, they're all designed to kind of show this narrative, and then we're getting, um, having people talking about, like, different things, okay, so, like, apps, and the way apps are, um, you know, utilised to be addictive, you know, the fact that they're using intermittent rewards, things like that to keep people engaged, and they're using references like, you know, scientists kind of did tests with birds and mice, and then realised that when they were giving them rewards in a uniform pattern, you know, they weren't, you know, they lost interest, so you have to do it in unfamiliar sequences, you know, which then keeps people occupied, keeps people interested, so we're getting told about things like this, right, and then we have, you know, the these kind of early investors and inventors of social media coming out and saying, yes, it's bad, we did this, we're bad, yeah, we programmed it, so it's bad, and there's a guy, a guy I forget the guy's name, but he, he was like, yeah, you know, we use a system called Hook, it's a trigger, action, reward, and then investment, and uh, yeah, so this was invented to, um, you know, get people hooked on social media, and smartphones, which I was like, wait, what, what are you, what are you talking about, that's not really true, <laughs> you know, like, look, when you work in marketing, communications, advertising, we're told about, like, you know, different things, different things that you should think about when creating adverts, when creating, um, like, campaigns, and it's the same thing, you know, slightly different words, you know, but it's all the same, so this isn't something new, people have been doing this for decades, for decades, every advert that you see on TV, here on the radio, it has essentially been put together with the, you know, the intent of either 
as a, you know, it's a call for action to get you to go and buy a product or a service or to, um, you know, act as brand recognition, brand enforcement. So these aren't new things. These are things that have been utilized. It's also saying that, um, you know, we also get told that, uh, I think people that engage in their phones a lot have a, a you know, a, a deep fear of intimacy, which again, kind of questionable, you know, kind of questionable. Now, look, some people, yeah, obviously, you know, it, it's difficult to meet people out and about. And a good way of doing it, you know, talk to some people online. You know, that, that's a standard thing, right? And that's the thing that has been happening for years. Even before, you know, phones, people would join groups. Because it was a better, it was an easier way to connect with people. So there's always been these different things that people utilise, and so this is the thing that you you know you you start to watch this and you kind of realize okay right that, that this narrative is, is clearly skewed at saying that this is all bad this is all bad this is all problematic and it's the only problem, like, this is, you know, the main issue when it comes to kids, when it, you know, comes to all of these different things, which, you know, I, I think, look, you can say it's a, you know, a contributing factor, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the full cause which is 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 the thing. It's like um, so um, you know, a professor and author Adam Alter, like he came on, and um, yeah, he he made an a statement. He made a statement, right? Yeah, he he was he he said that you know social media. And smartphones are the only thing in recent times that have made this big push at changing really quickly to and with the intent of getting people's attention. You know, like they've made this mindful choice to get people addicted. Like nothing else has done that. Which, that's a straight up lie. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a lie. Like loads of things have done similar stuff. Like TVs are changing all the time. Like remember, they brought out the curved TVs. They brought out the 3D TVs that no one fucks with anymore. You know, no one fucks with 3D TVs and the free and the glasses that you had to buy to use them. Like I, I had a friend that bought one, said, "Yeah, it kills your eyes. You could only watch it for a couple of hours, really, before you know what I mean. You're like, ugh, can't do this. Like the curved TVs, they were trying to push. Yeah, then people came out and said, there's no need for this curve. So we were like, ah, okay, like." Game consoles, they have been changing and moving and adapting. You know, there's a, a new console comes out every, you know, two, three years. Like, there's so many things that do this. So, it, it's not just social media. It's not just smartphones. They, like, so much now just does this, like, new versions are coming out constantly, 
<laughs> it is, it's what organisations, it's what companies do. Cars do it. Fashion does it. You can't just come out and say that this is the only thing that does this. Because it's not. It's a lie. It, it, yeah, it's a straight up lie. You know? Um, like, you know, then um, we get the, the, you know, John Hoyt, him and his wife uh, do this thing and they're like, yeah, we, we need to, you know, make a change ourselves. So he's like, oh, I'm going to deactivate myself from all the social media. I'm deactivating all my accounts And his wife is just like Oh well I'm just going to stop using them As much You know and it's just a bit like Okay That's fine But You know There's there's other things that kind of Contribute to all of this You know there's other things that Play into it because it's not so much... It's like, the interesting thing is... I think... When you're making something like this... You need to address everything. You need to look at everything. Right? And... I'd say, look... People that get addicted to social media... You know, and have a need to look at their phone all the time... Because yes, this does happen. This is a fact. But it's not... Everyone And just certain people Have addictive personalities You know That's just the way it is It's like some people Are susceptible to becoming Alcoholics You know there's some people That can try You know a drug And that's it They are now hooked You know they one cigarette And they are hooked there's no going back Because they have addictive personalities It's how people become, you know, obese It's how people become, like, there's people that become addicted to running You know, it's addictive personalities It's just the thing So, that's one thing that you need to talk about You know, and, and you need to kind of look at because that's the overarching thing. There's overarching things that affect this rather than just saying that, you know, these these phone companies, these social media companies, these people were evil. <laughs> because, look, if you want to throw that around, there's a lot of people you could say that about, Right? Because, look, people that own companies, they're trying to make profits. Look at every organisation. That's what they're trying to do for the most part, right? So, yeah, if you look at what they do, you'd be like, oh, that's not how you should do it. That's, you know, that's dishonest. That's bad. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, when... um. He interviewed some girls. He he had some like because he yeah towards um I don't know about midway through onwards. There's a lot of kind of cutaways to kids, uh, like kids and teenagers, right? And so he 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 talks to them and gets their kind of views on things and stuff like that. And so there's these two girls and they're just like yeah. So everyone talks about Fortnite. Oh, it's dumb. It's stupid. It's silly. Yeah, you know. But yeah, they're talking about that and you know what they did on the game and blah blah blah, which is fine. But right, you need to then find out what. Are your interests You know like what are you into Because You will find that they Have their own thing You know like I know people that You know they play for Call of Duty I know people that Only play like you know are hooked On things like Tetris and um, Candy Crush You know and I think there's some farmyard thing. Um, something like that, right? So, hey, p- 
people might go, this game is rubbish, but they've got their own game that they might play, or their own thing that they do, you know, or they're not playing games, but they're on Snapchat all the time, but he doesn't ask the girls that, so you're just getting these sound bites of people, which is fine, you know, that helps a narrative, but it's not, you know, it's not very investigative, you know, and that's what you kind of want going into something like this. In an ideal world, you'd be getting the full picture, the you know, the full understanding of, you know, what's happening, you know, what leads people to this and, you know, what doesn't, right? When we're first introduced to Dr. Nicholas Cardaras, uh, he um, kind of throws out there that, like, you know, people that are, are using social, di- uh, social media, you know, that's their gateway to drug addiction. Which, yeah, kind of a dishonest statement. Now, it's a soundbite. Kind of dishonest, though. You know, there's, hey, not everyone. And people that become drug addicts, they could become drug addicts at any time. You know, it, it, it's like when you have people go do a mass shooting and they try and go, oh, yeah, they like doom. And it's just like, wait, that doesn't, no, that doesn't mash up. There's you you could there's a lot of things on TV that show violence, but not everyone is going out and doing those things. So it's a certain person that you know just loses touch with reality and will do those things. It's not everyone. So to make a sweeping statement, it is a bit worrying, no, then there's things like, um, talking about Silicon Valley, and everyone in Silicon Valley, and it's just like, oh, you know, they're getting everyone addicted on this, but they are not letting their kids, you know, use phones, use social media, they're putting restrictions on their kids doing this, And it's kind of framed like, you know, they know that it's bad and blah, blah, blah. Rather than, well, they understand that, yeah, kids probably just shouldn't be on phones all the time. Because that's what it comes to, really. When you break it down, you know what I mean? Just don't have your kids on their phone all the time. And, uh, like, <laughs> they, they, they tried to use Steve Jobs as an example. Like, there's a point when Steve Jobs, like, they say he, he didn't let his kids, go, you know, use iPads all the time. But the quote that appears on screen, you know, it, it didn't say that. The quote actually said that they limit the time that the kids can use tech, which is a completely different thing, like limitations of what kids need, and, you know, things now, you you can put blocks on the phone, you can put blocks on your phone, so you can only, you know, do, use certain apps, for a certain uh, amount of hours, or your phone will switch off at a certain time. You can do these things on your phone now, right? Um, and yeah, there, there's different factors, and it would have just been good if you know it looked at that, right? Now there was a a part when um. <laughs> a, 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 you know, a lady called Jean Twenig, I believe, um, she's the author of a book called iGen, 
and he says that you know there's, there's figures that show that the number of suicides and self-harming rose around 2011 and 2012 which was when smartphones and social media you know really blew up so there's a correlation to that and it's like yeah but there's also big world events that happened around that time you know 911 11 now she's an american author and the the thing with that is you look there's studies that show that a lot of people were fucked up from that and became worried with their sense of self and with how they fit into society so there's other things that you have to kind of think about but these things weren't addressed there weren't there were certain questions that were never asked and yeah that's like towards the end um he speaks to a a girl and her dad and the girl's talking about how she is addicted to instagram right and she was going on instagram and you know seeing how everyone else we were doing certain things and living in a certain way and she felt sad right then she searched depression and she was reading all of this stuff and she got even sadder and she opened a window stood on the balcony and was thinking well you she doesn't actually say she was gonna jump right but she said "My, my dad saw me and told me to get in so it wasn't like, you know, we don't know if she was going, like, I wanted to kill myself at that moment, or I wanted to step out and see what it felt like. You know, there's different th- reasons why you do those things, right? But the questions weren't asked about her situation, because it was clear that her dad was f- foreign, Right? He had a, 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 a thick accent, so he was foreign. Which, you know, look, I'm not saying it because you don't know. Because it wasn't asked. But they may have, if, if her dad was, you know, if they were an immigrant family to the country. You know, maybe a dad, and, you know, he's not as affluent as some of her friends. So they don't have as much money. You know, there's different things that make people, and kids especially, feel isolated. But these questions weren't asked. So, yeah, that's a problem I had with this documentary. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad documentary, right? I think anyone who doesn't really know about all of this and maybe they're thinking to themselves yeah i might be using you know my screen too much and blah 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 then yeah watching something like this is probably helpful you know because it probably goes like ah okay all right no these these are interesting points i didn't think about this stuff yeah i should probably cut down on my screen time and I should you know do certain things put certain things in place so it can you know watching this I guess it can help it can be that first step to make a change but I would say you can't watch this and take everything as a uh, you know a given like, towards the very end, him and his wife are sitting there talking to t- their two sons. And they're like, oh, so what can we do to, um, you know, be better? Like, what, what do you think the problem is? Is it because we're on our phones a lot? And then the kids will be like, um, well, yeah, you could pay attention to us. And it's like, um, so why is that? Are we on our phones too much? But... And every time he asked them something, he kept on saying, is it because of our phones? Or our phones? Is it our phones? So you're not really, you're leading the witness. 
You know what I mean? Like, you're not getting... And kids will always say, oh, you should spend more time with me. Like, you could spend, like, 23 hours of the day with them and they'll still be like, you should spend more time with me. They're young kids. So it's not a real reflection of anything. So, you know, I, 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 I feel you can't watch this and go and take everything verbatim and take everything as a given. Because we're only really getting one side of things. We're not getting a full look, a full picture, a balanced picture. Because, you know, there's a lot that was never asked of the experts in the room. You know, it was always, oh, yeah, this is good. Yeah, they're talking sense. It's like when you're having, like, the the ex-manager of Facebook, you know, and other people, and they're going, yes, they came out and said that, you know, these things are bad. And you're just like, okay. But think about it. How are these people profiting from that? Right, so now these people are making money going around giving talks. Like it's not like these people are coming out and going, "Yeah, I did I did some bad things. Put me in jail." No, they're not doing that. You know, they're still profiting from what they are saying. So it's not like they're doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah, I mean, so you have to question that. And there wasn't any alternative questioning. So I would say, look, this is a interesting thing to watch for people that don't know about the subject. And people that may be thinking, I might be a bit addicted to my phone, to my screens. Yes. But do your research, people, and look at other... Other information, you know, that's what I would say, okay, so, Screened Out is out in the UK and Ireland on the 1st of June, um, but it has already dropped in the US and Canada, it came out on the 26th in, uh, you know, those regions, okay, so you can get it, on all digital platforms, you know, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Sky Store, you know, all the usual places. You can find it there. It's rated 12 PG. It's just over an hour, 70 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, it's not overly long. Um, but, yeah, there it is, people. Um, screened out. <laughs> Okay, people, so, yeah, hope you found that um, useful Uh, Remember, go to the information this week's episode And you will get, um, you know, links to the We Are One festival And um, the pre-order link for Screened Out So, before we leave, let's uh, look at a bit of film news. So, um, you know, a a few weeks ago, we heard um, (laughs) that Tom Cruise was going to film a film in space. Well, now we've got a bit more info. So, um, Doug Lyman, who uh, Cruise has worked with on Edge of Tomorrow... And American Made. Hey, he's working with crews on this space flick. Um, they're going to be uh, producing the film together, and Lyman is also writing the script. No story information is, uh, you know, they're keeping that pretty close to the chest, but they're going to be working with Elon Musk and NASA. I'm assuming to actually get to space so uh yeah i guess we'll um wait and see to you know as they drip feed us information for this one 
Um, Netflix have just come out and said that they're not going to be sending any films or uh, personnel to any of the potentially remaining uh, 2020 film festivals. Now, we don't really know what's happening on the festival front. I mean, there's we are we are one, but um, you know, as I said, that that's not wholly new films. Now, Toronto have said that they're working on a online component, um, but yeah, no one's really come out and said, you know, our festival is taking place. So, you know, it's not the hugest kind of statement. And to be honest. This can change, <laughs> you know what I mean? This, this this can change. So yeah, we'll just wait and see what happens. Because I don't think that originally the Orson Welles film um, from last year, or was it the year before? Uh, that wasn't initially going to be at a festival. But uh, yeah, I think it went to Cannes, didn't it? So um, yeah, this can change. So we'll just wait and see what happens really um also i think this was interesting but it makes sense right so um word came out recently that the new martin scorsese film which was set up at paramount pictures um you know killers of the flower moon word had come that like the irishman it was looking like it was going to be ballooning in its budgetary costs. And so, um, you know, feelers had gone out to see if they could find, you know, help with the financing. Because they worked with Netflix on The Irishman, people wondered if, you know, a similar thing would happen. But then word came about that Apple was uh, looking to bring content across and acquire, um, you know, catalogs. So, uh, yeah, now today it seems that Apple, hey, they're going to be financing uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. So, yeah, everything seems to align and make sense. So, you know, the, the, the film is based on the David Grand's um, book that covers the true events from 1920s that looks on the murders of members of the Osag Nation in Oklahoma. And all of this kind of, it was, I think, the FBI's first major investigation. So it's an interesting story. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how this all comes together. So yeah, there is that. Also, word has come that Henry Caval is in talks about um, reprising his role of Clark Kent and Superman. But it's interesting because supposedly this isn't for a um, a standalone film, you know. So it's not a Man of Steel sequel or any sort of Superman film. So it's kind of like, what's this gonna be, right? Because. Filming on Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman 1984 have finished. So the only other two current films are Black Adam and Shazam. But it does kind of kind of throws things in the kind of fault that it could be reshoots for the um the the Snyder Cut of Justice League that's going to be dropping next year on HBO Max. But, uh, yeah, no uh, real information of what it's going to be. 
But um, yeah, that's happening. So we'll have to see um, how that all comes about. Now, another interesting tidbit. So, um, hey, a new Planet of the Apes film is getting worked on. You know, which was, um, hey, you know what I mean? Like, the last film, it, there's, all of these films are set before the original, the original films. I think that's what my understanding is. So the last film didn't take us to um, that point. So, you know, there definitely was more more room. Um, but what's been, uh, what's been told by, you know, the director, Wes Bell, is interesting. You know, he's saying that he's been working, well, meeting with Josh Friedman, who is putting together the script. And, um, yeah, saying that, you know, things are moving ahead pretty, pretty well. And because this is going to be a largely computer animated feature, that virtual production could happen relatively soon um but he also had this to say right so um, those last three movies are one of the greatest trilogies we have in modern movie history they are just so well done they honored the original movies they sprang from the charlton heston movies but they grounded it in a modern sensibility and it just worked Caesar is one of the great movie characters that we'll have throughout time so what do you do to follow that up right at the same time I wasn't interested in doing a part for either we want to also do our own thing we have a take we have a way of staying in the universe that was created before us, but we're also opening ourselves up in being able to do something real, really cool, new stuff. Again, I'm trying to be careful here. I'll say this, for fans of the original three, don't worry. You're in good hands. The original writers and producers that came up with Rise and Dawn, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, they're also on board with this. So, um, yeah. Well, it's not going to be a continuation as such, but it's going to be set in the Apes universe, it sounds. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And finally, people, I think this was, um, yeah, this took me by surprise, but word came uh, just a few days ago that Scott Derrickson, right, who you all know from Sinister and the first Doctor Strange movie, he is now going to be um, making a direct sequel to... Jim Henson's Labyrinth Yeah <laughs> I think this is a This is something that kind of Had You know, word that kind of cropped up Every now and again That ah, maybe there's going to be a Labyrinth sequel But I don't know I, I, I didn't know if it was actually going to happen But yeah It is going to be happening And boy with the original coming out in 86 It's been a bit of time Right? Been a bit of time um, No word on what the actual story is going to be But um, Maggie Levin uh, She's going to be um, writing the script So uh, yeah, we, ha we know that uh, Lisa Henson is going to be producing and um, Brian Henson, C. Robert Cargill 
along with Derrickson are executive producing the film so uh, yeah let's uh, wait and see for um, more information to come out about all of this you know what I mean because uh, yeah I don't know what's it gonna be <laughs> is it gonna um, pick up on Jennifer Connolly's baby brother maybe you know will we get a new take on Gareth the Goblin King who knows but um Eh, I don't know We'll find out, I'm assuming But people, that is it We will see you next week Remember, we are one Go check that out Um, Because hey It'll be interesting to see how all of that comes together, right? Right, people, take it easy Peace